We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rodar Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson, and got a really fun episode for you today. I'm joined by three guests, and we are going to do a draft of hitting prospects for 2023 only. Uh, we're going to be kind of doing it as if it's for a 50-round draft and hold. And the three guests that I assembled uh, not only all kind of specialize in prospect and dynasty content, but uh, they all happen to be in the top 50 of the TGFBI overall. And my first guest, Michael Richards of Fantrax and the triple, oh, the triple play, uh, or the call-up podcast, I should say, um, is actually in first place of TGFBI right now. Uh, my second guest is uh, Drew Wheeler of um, Prospects Live and SP Streamer, and uh, Drew's in the top 50, and then uh, Drew Sperling of uh, Dynasty Guru is in the top 50. So uh, really appreciate all three of you joining me. Um, so the way this is going to work is we're going to do six rounds and Michael Richards is going to go first. We're going to go in order of the TGFBI standings. I will go last because I am not in the top 50. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to be drafting just hitters who are currently prospect eligible. So guys like Vaughn Grissom uh, are eligible for this draft, even though they might not be prospect eligible at the end of the season. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll try to have a, a kind of a conversation about why we chose who we chose. And uh, I guess, you know, with that being said, um, Michael, I'll throw it to you. Uh, you have the first pick and you're on the clock. Yeah. So with the first pick, I definitely gave this some thought because there's a few players I like, but it ultimately came back to Corbin Carroll for me. I'm just in love with this guy, the double plus hit tool, double plus speed. I think next year he's going to be a front runner for the uh, rookie of the year. And I believe he'll eventually work his way up to the top of the lineup for them. And I just see with the development of his power this season, just a well-rounded player. I think his ceiling is an early round pick in redraft next year, you know, similar to like a Bobby Witt this year. I'm not sure where he's going to get drafted, but He's someone that I'm going to be looking at even in redraft next year. Yeah, man. Uh, that would have been my pick as well. Any Anyone else uh, would, would have gone in a different direction there? Or was was Carroll the pick for everyone? Uh, yeah, I would have went with Carroll as well. The, the speed coupled with the, the hitting ability, I, I think it – yeah, I I just think that it's the safest safest choice, really. I trust his the speed more than some of the other guys. The it, natural contrarian the, in me. I'm sorry, Michael, please go ahead. No, I was just saying I just trust his speed more than the other few choices that I was looking at here, even though I like them a lot too. Definitely. The the natural contrarian in me always goes towards something away from the consensus. I it's a it's a personality deficit. So, you know, Carol is Tremendous, obviously a great selection. And, you know, being that I have the second pick, I had questioned whether or not you would also be a contrarian, Michael. I should have known you're far too smart for such a thing, though. Uh, great pick. Can't argue with it at all. So then uh, I guess that, that brings us to you, Drew. Uh, who, who are you taking at number two? 
Well, as I said, you know, the, the personality disorder that I like to call contrarianism or Drewism does lead me to believe that Gunnar Henderson is the best prospect in all of baseball. And granted, I can be so transparent to say that Carroll definitely has better speed. But when I look at the two side by side, I think Gunnar has just as good of a hit tool, if not possibly better. The power I like better for Gunnar. And I also like the team construct in the long run better. But, you know, like I said, there's really no no miss between Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson. I think that next year we're going to probably see managers in redraft leagues, you know, considering Carroll and Henderson in the way that we did this year with J-Rod and Bobby Witt. I think that that could be, you know, it could be argued. You know, you'll have people who look and see Carroll as being a slam dunk choice, and he certainly is in terms of prospects. I do see both of them returning positive value and sense. Mr. Michael was so kind as if to make the decision easier for me. I'll uh, make an easy decision myself and pick Gunnar Henderson second. So before before uh, Sperling picks here, um, my my sort of read on Carroll versus Henderson for 2023 is that basically whichever one of the two finishes this year with better big league numbers is going to have the higher ADP. Um, is that do you guys think that that's that's fair? Yeah, I, I I think the the potential for Henderson to potentially provide a few more home runs. Like I, I see the aside from the steals that Carroll's providing, I see the potential for Henderson to be a true five category like first round pick. But I I do see the stolen bases from from Carroll being the rotisserie like divider there i mean it, re- it really just depends on uh the develop i think the development of carol's power as well at the big league level like how many home runs is he ultimately going to hit but i i think it, it 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 is a tier two which uh leads um the third pick i i definitely had to think about or i've deliberated over i i think it is a tier two well yeah i mean i, I think the at least in my experience um there there's often sort of gaps and valuations between uh the redraft crowd and the dynasty crowd and um you know if corbin carroll finishes this season with i don't know four or five steals and uh you know decent strikeout rate decent batting average um i think he will go uh, quite high uh, certainly in the top 100 uh, but you could also see a scenario where maybe people read too much into maybe he has some poor X stats or something like that, and, and people question the the power output. Um, and then maybe Gunner has you know strong X stats and and similar amount of speed. So uh, very interested to see how it plays out here over the next four weeks with those two, because I think um, you know a hot month from either guy could lead to a, a top fifty ADP right away. Uh, I assume by the time March gets here, uh, their ADPs will be trending up sort of regardless of how they finish this year. But um, I think that the next four weeks will, will play a big role in determining uh, where these guys are going in, in early draft and hold leagues. Um, so that brings us to you, uh, Sperling. Um, who, you, who did you end up deciding was, was the third best option here? Based upon what we've seen since he's um... – returned from injury and although he hasn't debuted yet i i just i really think that josh young is is gonna be um i think i i really believe that he's he's gonna be a big league hitter even if he doesn't provide the speed um i'm a strong believer that that he's gonna be a solid contributor in the other four categories so i i ultimately went with him even though there there was another choice or two that I strongly considered as well. So I can tell you, yeah, I can tell you right now. I, I, uh, at the, at my turn, I'm going to go with Vaughn Grissom and Miguel Vargas, but I'm curious, uh, Michael and, and Drew Wheeler, uh, who did you guys think was the, the third best option here? Uh, for the third pick, if I was the third, I would have taken Vaughn Grissom because of his success in the major leagues. That's that's the other player that I I mean I strongly considered him definitely and I can see that so I I can't argue with that at all. 
But I really I, like I really like Josh Young. I think that was a great pick. I, I do see him being a professional hitter, and he's got a great organization and great team construct at the majors with which to succeed. Uh, I don't really want to quite say yet who I would oh, chose between yeah. okay. between yeah. Gr- between uh, Grisham yeah. and uh, and this gentleman, but I, I do like Josh Young. You can't really, you know, with a player like that, a hit tool like that, you can't really poo-poo the pick by any means. It's a good pick. No, and, and I think a really nice thing about the the Josh Young situation is uh, that you know third base is his in Texas, and uh, probably his on opening day. Uh, because of the incentives involved there for, for the Rangers. Um, so, I, you know, he was an easy uh, top six guy for me. I mean, it, it definitely sort of, you know, you can beauty in the eye of the beholder, uh, certainly after Carol and Henderson, but uh, that is a big mark in Young's favor. Uh, I think he would really have to struggle kind of in a, a Spencer Torkelson type of way to not spend most of the year in the big leagues. And he'd, he'd obviously have to stay healthy too, which has been, uh, one of his uh, biggest issues so far. Um, but yeah, I, I went with Grissom. I, I had him ranked third. I think, uh, you know, I, it, who knows what's going to happen with Dansby Swanson, but he's, you know, he's been productive enough. I think that it would be surprising to see him not break camp with the team next year. And that power speed combination is nice. He's probably going to have uh, multi-position eligibility as well. Um, and then Vargas with the Dodgers, uh, I, I just, to me, he's clearly the most big league ready hitter left on the board, and there might not be a super obvious path for him uh, to break camp as an everyday player next year. But uh, I think he's just too good of a hitter, and I think they they'll, they'll stick him in left field if they have to. And uh, you know, Max Muncie, Justin Turner, we'll see how healthy those guys stay next year. But um, yeah, that was my reasoning there. Um, so, uh, Sperling, I guess that brings it back to you. Hmm. Well, um, based upon who's left, I think I think I have to I think I have to go with um, someone who I believe will start the season next year with the team, and I'm going to go with uh, Tristan Casas. Um. There's someone else that I strongly considered that I hope makes it back to me, but I I don't think they're going to start the year with the team. And I just – I feel like he, even though um, I'm drafting another player without speed, I, I feel like he could be a strong contributor in the other categories. Yeah, and you don't need – I mean, we're doing six rounds, but, I mean, this is theoretically part of a 50-round draft, so it's not like yeah, – you, so. you don't have to leave the draft with a certain amount of speed here. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, Casas was my next best available. Uh, what 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 say you, uh, Wheeler? You know, uh, Casas was the guy that I was thinking there. So of course, as is your tradition, James. Anytime I'm on a podcast with you, the whole world poos on me. So that's just the way it goes. Uh, I will pivot though, uh, and I think I'm going to go. Uh, you know, again, in a perfect world, would Ezekiel Tovar be starting right now for the Colorado Rockies? probably with consistent competent management probably uh anyway in this fantasy universe i and under my own management which is competent to a certain degree i'm going to pick ezekiel tovar uh it's a guy with power a guy that can hit the ball and uh there's a home park it's actually in colorado it's called course field if you haven't heard of it you should look it up uh the ball likes to really fly there and i think that a player like tovar can do some special things there and it's uh guy that I'm looking forward to seeing in 2023 popular draft and whole guy for me for sure. What do you guys think about, uh, other drew and Michael, uh, just, and even, and even drew Wheeler, like if you want to weigh in, like, when do you, when do you guys think Tovar is up? Do you think he breaks camp? Um, do you think we have to wait a month or two? Like what, what's your guys read on, on Tovar's ETA for next year? I hate to be pessimistic, uh, but given his age and the the fact that he has uh, what one season above a ball, I just I'd be really surprised if they push him to the major leagues. I, I hope I'm wrong, but I think there's at least a decent chance he barely gets any at bats next year. That's very. I, I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong about that though. Yeah. 
but I wouldn't expect him to play most of the season. I do think he'll get called up next year, but I don't think he'll break camp with the team because just because of his age, like you said, and they'll want to see him up in AAA probably. And it's the Rockies too. They don't always do what they're supposed to do or what other teams would do as well. So you got to factor that in. Certainly. You guys both said a lot of really good things. I think I'm kind of air more to the side that Mike's with here. Um, you know, at midseason, something in the realm of what we saw with, you know, Michael Harris or uh, Vaughn Grissom. And again, uh, well, maybe not Grissom. Grissom was the beginning of August, wasn't he? But either way, uh, midseason, I could see it being, you know, predicting comfortably. But so, I mean, in, in, if I were to, you know, take the sort of optimistic view on Tovar's ETA, uh, they pushed him. So, you know, he was at high A in 2021 played 32 games there, was well below league average, and I expected them to send him back to high A. They instead sent him to double A, and he's awesome. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's an aggressive – that was a really aggressive assignment by Rocky standards to send him to double A this year. And so uh, they clearly don't think Brendan Rodgers is a shortstop. That, you know, I don't think uh, Alan Trejo or uh, Garrett Hampson's standing in his way, so – uh, I wouldn't rule anything out, and and the the incentives now, may, maybe the Rockies, <laughs> I don't know, who knows if if they're gonna behave rationally or not. But um, I think I wouldn't rule it out uh, him breaking camp in the big leagues next year, especially if it has an awesome spring training. But um, you know, certainly a guy who will be drafted, I think, in all draft and hold leagues. Uh, oh yeah, I think a, he could. I'm sorry. I, I think he could certainly, he will certainly be, uh, could be deserving. I just question how much they'll manipulate the situation. Well, yeah, I mean, they, you know, in the old days or not the old days, but like a year ago, um, there would have been an incentive for that. But now you want to, I think it's, if you're going to bring a guy up um, early in the season and you have a spot for them to play uh, right away, uh, that's how you get those those draft picks from the um, from the rookie of the year voting and stuff like that. So, uh, interesting pick. Um, very interested to see how that plays out. Um, Michael, I'll, I'll throw it to you um, for your first pick at this turn, and then uh, we'll head to a message from our sponsors. Okay, so this has been an interesting one for me. Uh, is there's a, there's an injury factor here, but I'm going to go with Royce Lewis as one of my picks, and I feel like I could stash him for a while. I know he's not going to start the season, but he's definitely going to be on the team once he's healthy, and I think he's a big part of their future. He's got that power speed, so I would view him as like a second-half addition to my team that could be really useful for me. And the second pick, uh, this one's a lot tougher for me. Um I, I'm I'm really big on speed, and I don't know how this player's role is going to play out. And this is probably a reach at this stage, but I'm going to go with Esturi Ruiz. I think his his elite speed and the improvements he's shown this year are very intriguing. There's risk that he doesn't get too much power, and might even be a platoon guy on the wrong side of the platoon. But it's just there's so much speed potential here. This is like a like a John Birdie type situation or Bubba Thompson, where it's like if he's getting playing time and he's on your team, you're going to really benefit from that. So I'm going to go with Esther Ruiz there. That's such a good yeah. pick. I'm so jealous. So what what what's your uh, what's your level of concern with? Uh, and I, I mean Ruiz is going to be a, a hot you know mid round commodity, I would think in draft and hold leagues. But uh, the Brewers now have just all these sort of triple A-ish outfielders, uh, you know, Garrett Mitchell, uh, Sal Frelick, um, Weimer, Weimer. So that's four guys who are Nashville's hopping. <laughs> um, I mean, is, is that, is that a concern? Is this, is this just kind of a, you know, a, a big, you know, roll of the dice and you hope that you get 20 steals out of the pick type of thing? Yeah, that's definitely a concern. I, I would actually be even higher on him if they didn't have all that going on. 
but he is a right-handed hitter. He could be, you know, the ninth hitter. He could be hitting just versus lefties. Like there is concern this doesn't work out, but also all those other players aren't really established either. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like, uh, it, it is a gamble. I see it as a gamble, but it's based on the, the Roto situation and just how many players, there aren't very many players who could bring what he brings to the table if he's able to play. Yeah. And yeah. I, Oh, I'm sorry. I I was just going to say, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think at this point in the draft, uh, for the most part, uh, all the players left have at least some sort of uh, question mark. So given the speed that he can provide, um, if he gets the chance and he runs with it, it could be like the type of pick that that helps drive your success in in that category. Or, you know, it could be a Maybe not a league-winning pick, but a, a league-changing type of pick. So I think I think it's definitely warranted here. Yeah, and spring training is going to play a major role in just sort of the draft and hold ADPs of those Brewers outfielders I mentioned, and even the just non-draft and hold ADPs. If it if it looks clear that Ruiz is going to win a job by mid-March, I think that speed is going to get him drafted in, in 15 team leagues, I would, I would think at least towards the end of those drafts. So spring training will loom large there. And, uh, I did, I did really like the, the Royce Lewis pick Michael. Um, that's who I was I, considering honestly, when I took Casas. Yeah. Even though he's coming back from injury, I think there's a high probability that he could contribute in, in a very positive way next year. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's risk there with the, I think it, there's more risk of a just a re-injury once he's back than than something with you know his skills deteriorating or something like that. But uh, you know we're factoring risk with all these guys, playing time risk, performance risk. I don't think you have to worry too much about the performance or the playing time with Lewis once he's fully healthy. Um, so just kind of different risk factors there with him. Um, but before we get to uh, Drew Wheeler's third pick. Uh, let me tell you about uh, this this great offer from Caesar Sportsbook. Uh, the weather is heating up, and so are the promotions at Caesar Sportsbook. Today, anyone who is at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesar Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem the Caesar Sportsbook promo code ROTO15. That's ROTO15. The promo code gives new users a risk free bet up to 1500 bucks. Visit Caesars.com slash sportsbook or download the Caesar Sportsbook app today and don't forget to use promo code ROTA15 when signing up. We're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Drew, uh, you are back on the clock. What do you got? It's my favorite place to be, buddy. Uh, you know, looking at <laughs> looking at it here, you know, uh, Casas, that was kind of a kick to the pants. Estuary Ruiz, another kick to the pants. So uh, in this recovery mindset that I'm in here, I think I'm going to go with a guy that, in my opinion, could be starting right now for a major league club. Thank God, though, he's a lot closer to me in uh, in. Huntsville, Alabama, for the Rocket City Trash Pandas. That's the future catcher of the Los Angeles Angels, Mr. Logan O'Hoppy, uh, former Philadelphia Philly, FYI. Do really love this guy. Uh, I think he's kind of burst onto the scene with just some spectacular play this season and last. Uh, he's going to get on base. He can obviously call the game. I think that uh, he's shown right now that he can be a part of a winning ball club. That's something that uh, all but a two players, I'd say, on the current Angels Major League team could probably use some assistance with. Uh, so this is a guy that I'm going to be targeting pretty recklessly, if I could be honest, in next year's drafts. Uh, draft and hold? Sure. Uh, redraft? Sure. Dynasty? Yeah. I'm just targeting Logan O'Hoppy because he's kind of that dude. So there you go. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I – uh... It's been really impressive what he's done all season, uh, especially since the trade. And I don't know if there's a better team out there to have a near big league ready catching prospect in than the Angels, because like you said, uh, it's really a roster that's devoid of of impact uh, talent, and there's no one standing in his way at that position. So... uh, (laughs) I don't know when he. I don't know when he's up, but once he's up, I think he's assuming you know two thirds of the, the workload there. It's funny you say that because you know in in two podcasts within the last month, I've brought up how Kurt Suzuki uh, could be blown over theoretically by a light breeze, and I think Logan Ohapi could provide a much more shove than a light breeze. So uh, yeah, I don't think there's anyone standing in that way. And just a minute ago, you said no impact players of value on the Angels team. I think you throw in an extra word there, impact. There's no players of value beyond Trout and Otani. So Trout, Otani, and Ohapi is a trio I'm really excited for. Well, that I mean, look, uh, as someone who has Luis Renjifo in some leagues, I, I take issue with that. <laughs> but, Sorry, uh, Luis Renjifo. <laughs> uh, you can bill me for your, your therapy on that. My bad. I remember right, adding okay. him as a free agent in a 30-team league. Luis Rendifo, yeah. I never would have thought he would be batting cleanup uh, (laughs) as a a big leaguer at at age 25, but but here we are. Um, All right, Sperling, over to you. Um, Let's see. Early returns in the MLB uh, haven't been super impressive, and his season has ended early, but I – I see a high probability of playing time and uh, I'm going to go with Brett Beatty. I I just think that um, although the issues with launch angle are like, are are well documented. He has a high uh, ground ball rate. Uh, He he does make great contact. And I, I think he's going to get another chance next year to receive a lot of the bats. He will have to perform because it's a team that's competitive, but um, I, I see this as a somewhat safe pick given what's left. Um, and I'm trying to build uh, as many at bats as I can, I think in general. And I, I just see, I, yeah, I see him as someone who will contribute next year. Yeah. Uh, the launch angle thing is so it's, it's going to be something to track with him because he fixed it at double a, and that's where he really just had a, an awesome run. And then in much smaller samples, uh, it kind of went back to being a problem uh, at AAA and, and the majors, if I, if I recall correctly. But uh, the Mets clearly 
think of him as a, a building block uh, with him getting the call when he did. Um, so that's he'll be another popular draft and hold pick. All right. I'm on the clock for two. Uh, my first pick is going to be uh, Bo Naylor of the Guardians. Uh, second catcher off the board here. Uh, another situation where I think it's it's really nice to uh, invest in a catcher because I just think he's uh, far more talented uh, when you factor in offense and defense than anyone they've got. And the nice thing about Naylor is uh, he's got 20 steals on 24 attempts this year. And even if he just gives you like seven or eight steals at the catcher position, that's, that's a ton of value. And he, you know, the hit tool we'll see, but he at least, he's at least a, a guy that should have a, a solid OBP by, by catching standards. And he's just got some, some crazy raw power uh, that it, maybe it'll take a while for him to, to get to all of it in games at the big league level. But uh, Bo Naylor is someone that I think could, could actually make that team as a starting catcher out of camp. And then my second pick is going to be Spencer Steer of the Reds. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, this is, this is certainly a, a plate appearance um, type of pick. You know, I'm, I'm guessing that he would have to really struggle next year to uh, lose a, a starting job in Cincinnati. Uh, he can kind of play wherever on the infield. It does seem like they're sort of grooming him as a third baseman right now, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the batting average might leave something to be desired, but uh, he could get, he could play pretty much every day and, and hit 15 plus homers and some nice park and everything. So uh, Bo Naylor and Spencer Steer. Um, I was hoping Naylor would make it back to me. I, I really I like would, the Naylor pick just because I, I, I roster uh, Dalton Varsho and TGFBI and just having that power speed at that position, it's just more valuable than people give it credit for a lot of times. Yeah. And I mean, Varsho you had to take early this year, but uh, you had to, you know, that's a range of drafts where people are going after speed. And if you can get a catcher and get some speed there, I, I think, that's really appealing. I, I've got him in a decent amount of spots too. So uh, not surprising to, to hear that he's on your team, given how, how well you're doing. I like those picks as well. Uh, Steer's a guy that I'm looking for, obviously. Uh, and, it, you know, it, he'll be popular. <laughs> I think that he's got a shot. Again, who's standing in his way? Yeah, bodies, but, you know, they may not have <laughs> names at this point. So I, uh, I do think that Spencer Steer is going to be really popular as well. Uh, jealous of the Bo Naylor pick as well. I, I, you know, that's a guy who obviously, you know, Michael can attest to it. It's having any speed there is still better than having no speed. And if if Naylor is kind of Varsho or Varsho light, then I think that his price may actually be driven up even from a, a mid round pick to something like we saw with Varsho. It's it's not out of the question. I would say. Yeah, actually, just before Sperling makes his fourth pick, uh, something that I kind of was thinking of um, recently is just. You know, if you if you had just had Adley Rutschman as one of your two catchers in a 15-team league all season and just taken the zeros when he wasn't playing, you're still going to finish with basically top, what, like top eight catcher production by the end of the season just from that that spot. And Naylor's not Adley, but Naylor – incredible. He could steal 10 homers – or, I mean, he could steal 10 bases and hit – 15 homers and you know so I mean I think you know taking a catching prospect who we're very very confident gets I don't know 300 plus plate appearances if you, if you like the skills I think you can kind of live with that um, and just take zeros when they're not in there uh, because of what the replacement value ends up being at that position um, but yeah sorry about that uh, Sperling you're on the clock yeah I think both of those picks though could be uh, uh... I feel like both of the players are a little bit under the radar compared to what they are actually capable of delivering. And like you said with Steer, I mean, he's going to have the opportunity if he can play well, then he will play. So, But um, uh, I was having a discussion with someone else uh, about Bo Naylor, and 
Um, they they feel like um, in fantasy, at least, uh, given the hype that Francisco Alvarez and others receive, that the nailer could very well produce as well, or even outproduce them given the speed that he can provide. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see that you know. But I mean, just the fact that that's even a discussion means that that, that could be a really good pick. Yeah, I mean, I ranked Naylor ahead of one spot ahead of Alvarez on my last update. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm with I'm with whoever you were talking to there. <laughs> yeah, um, gang, I was I was strongly considering steer with my last pick. So, I'm, uh, regrouping a bit here. Let's see. I have a suggestion. Don't take the person I want. <laughs> I think. I think I'm going to go with someone this round that I'm a little less confident in playing time, but I, th- I think that the, the returns could be good. I'm going to go with uh, Alexander Canario. All right. I like that. Um, yeah. Um, so it's it's yet to be determined on uh you know how many how many plate appearances you will receive um obviously the hit tool isn't isn't quite as strong as most of the other people that have been drafted so far but the power and speed is there and um i feel like the cubs will have an opportunity soon in the outfield so if he continues to produce this way i feel like he he could get that opportunity yeah, but. on the on the forty man, um, they definitely are going to have an open spot uh, in one of the outfield corners, and uh, yeah, power speed. Uh, he's you know he's going to hit some impressive homers in spring training that are going to get people fired up. So, um, all right, uh, over to you, Drew. You know, real quick on Canario, he if he was to play in the major leagues next year, he would also get to be in the outfield with the greatest major league baseball player of all time, say Suzuki just had to throw that out there real quick. So obviously that would benefit him in a big way. Uh, looking at the board here and that players who could make a feasible benefit in a draft and hold type situation next year, I'm looking at Michael Bush for the Dodgers. I think that, you know, the picking a Dodgers prospect to have any kind of relevance in any season is a, uh, a losing gamble, but you know, their guys are getting older. And I think that there is going to be, you know, like you mentioned earlier, when you selected Vargas there, James, I I, I think that there's going to be opportunity for a player like Bush who's 24 and his has always hit and, you know, Hey, he's already got no position. If he's going to be a defensive liability, we'll try him all around the, all around the outfield, try him all around the infield. Cause we'll just, you know, see what happens, but the guy hits. And I think that he will, kind of fit into that uh, lineup of professional hitters uh, in the NL West and for the Dodgers, particularly I, by virtue of playing with the Dodgers, he's going to have, you know, run an RBI potential just so long as he continues to do the one thing that he's done through his minor league career and hit. So I'll go with Bush. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's always another Avenue for him too. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they traded him this off season. Uh, well said. Dodgers don't need much, but I mean, I could see him just being sort of a, a spare part for them if they wanted to trade for a reliever or something like that. So certainly um, you got some outs I definitely there. see that happening. I, I, f- I feel like in uh, the majority of organizations, he might, he might've already debuted. Oh yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, you can't argue with that pick. All right, Michael, over to you. Okay. Uh, these are getting tougher and tougher now. Just thinking about 2023. I'm going to go with Oswald Peraza with my first pick. He's up in the majors right now. He's shown the plus speed. He's got over 30 steals this year, nearly 20 home runs. I think he's ahead of, on the depth chart, ahead of Volpe right now. Obviously, they're bringing him up first, so I would suspect him to get more playing time next year than him. Uh and it seems like the Yankees are willing to give young players time if they're able to do it. They're, it seems like they're not like the old Yankees where it's just an all-star team. If you can hit and play well, you can find a spot on the team. So uh, at this stage in the draft, I think that's a solid pick. Uh, my second pick, I guess, would be... Hmm. 
this one's a lot harder for me. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna take a gamble here because I'm not. It's not coming around for me for eight rounds. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Jordan Walker here, and hope that he gets called up similarly as Nolan Gorman this year. I think he's a better hitter than him. And I think he'd play every day once the Cardinals did call him up. So it's another gamble. He might not even be up next year or maybe even late. But when he does come up, I think he's going to be a big deal. So I'll go with him on this pick. I've got well, some hot analysis. Jordan uh, Jordan Walker's very good at baseball. <laughs> what, you heard someone, asked, someone asked me uh, a few days ago just what I think the Cardinals, uh, you know, let's say – July of next year. What's their starting outfield? And I'm a big uh, Lars Nukbar fan, and I think Tyler O'Neill bounces back. And I, I think it's going to be Walker, O'Neill, Nukbar. But then you're leaving out a guy like you know Dylan Carlson, um, Alec Burleson. Where is he going to play? Um, what, what, what's your guys' read on just sort of how this Cardinals outfield depth chart shakes out next year? They'll have a DH spot open. So, I mean, that's going to be a little bit more flexible uh, in terms of what they can do with that. So, I mean, even if your fourth outfielder is kind of flushing in and out with other various batters, could be a thing. Yeah, I think they'll platoon it at least. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, yeah, um, they're they're definitely deep. Um, Like you mentioned with Burleson, I mean, he's playing extremely well. And if he had more power, he'd – I feel like um, he, he could be, you know, a top 25 or 50 prospect even. So I think it's ultimately going to come down to who produces. I, I wonder uh, what's going to happen um, with Tyler, Tyler O'Neill. I, the thing is, I would imagine his defense probably buys him a lot, of, a lot more leeway. Uh, I don't know. It feels, it feels a bit muddled. Like they, they have a lot, they have, they have a lot of uh, prospect depth, and I guess it just comes down to who, who's going to produce. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they would probably platoon it and just play matchups, at least at start. But someone like Jordan Walker, I think he just rises above that and is just put in as one of the guys that everyone else and everyone else is just fighting for other spots once he's ready. Right. I mean, he's he's too elite of a prospect to, you know, be blocked for long. Uh, I do. I do have no idea, though, when when he gets his chance. Uh, maybe he, he could win a spot in spring training or he could be down for a few months. You know, you just never know. But I mean, he is a uh, you know, he's one of the best. He's the best prospect who's been selected here in what? Uh, three rounds. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he had to, he had to come off the board at some point here. Do you guys um, ultimately see him in left field or playing or receiving a lot of the bats at DH slash, I mean, well, where do you think he's going to play? I mean, not that that matters as much for fantasy. I just, I just wonder, like, do you see him as a first baseman okay. left field? Well, he's. I think first base and third base are great spots, but he'd need an injury to one of those. Uh, yeah, I feel like Arenado might be one of the safest. Like, no one's going to supplant him anytime soon. Yeah, I think Walker's got the uh, he's got the arm for right. Uh, just want to double check. So at uh, so he's played uh, seventy games at third base. Uh, 17 games at DH, 16 games in right field, two games in left field, four games in center field. So uh, seems like if they're grooming Perhaps him more for right, right field, field than any other outfield spot, he does, you know, he's the monster arm. Um, but, I mean, they've got other guys that can play right as well. But I, I would think – I'd probably think you want to take advantage of that arm and put him in right. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. All right, Drew. So at this point, you know, we've kind of already established that this is just a crapshoot at this point, and you're you're going to be taking some some throws of the dart, hoping to land just on the board at this point. You know, I, at this point, I'd say we're probably safely in the 40 to 50 pick range of your draft and holds. Would you guys agree with that? 40 to 50 round? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's depends on what <laughs> happens in spring training. There, there could be a couple guys that pop up, but okay. I mean, in general, you know, when, yeah, we're probably in the later parts. When those draft and holds first start, whenever when those open up on on various sites, uh, I think you're just it's just going to be a total free for all on a lot of these guys, and then <laughs> ADP will start to sort of crystallize. I'm, I'm right. sure there, there's players we haven't selected who will probably go in the first 35 rounds in some drafts and outside the top 45 rounds in other drafts. But, yeah, I think generally you're, you're probably in the right ballpark. Well, either way, I'm just trying to get an idea of how silly we should get here. And so I'm going to just – moderate silly. That's pretty much where I'm at all times, moderate silly. We'll keep it in that range, and I'll take Henry Davis for the Pirates. Uh, again, kind of the same deal with Ohapi. I mean – Jason DeLay, that's a person that plays professional baseball, but, you know, okay. Henry Davis, I'm thinking, is going to be a more significant uh, piece of the Pirates' future. Uh, it's a guy with a great hit tool, obviously. If I'm taking him, I like the hit tool. Uh, big power. He's going to get on base. He can call a game. And, you know, whether or not he ends up at catcher or first base, whatever the case may be, you know, it's not for me to decide. Let the brass in Pittsburgh fool with all that. For the fantasy team, give him to Betty Drew. That's where he's going to be. So that's the pick. We're going to get silly. So, Pick him in the 40 to 50 round of your draft and holds here in a minute, guys. Well, fortunately, he's not blocked at catcher, first base, or DH in Pittsburgh. So um, you're welcome. He's got a pretty <laughs> he's got three clear paths wherever wherever they want to put him. I love it. All right, Sperling, you're back up. Hmm. Well, uh, there's a few few uh, ways I could go with this, but I think I want to go with someone who's already received at bats, and uh, I'm going to go with Garrett Mitchell. And I realize that, uh, like uh, Michael was talking about earlier, they have about five guys to fill one spot, but he he is uh, receiving playing time right now. He has the speed. Um. He does have great ped. I mean, he has a great track record of pedigree, albeit for Wiley, he, he uh, struggled to display the power that we would ideally look for in uh, fantasy. But I feel like at this point in the draft, there's a decent mix of skills and playing time probability here. Yeah, I mean, he's he's uh, the thing I noticed with him. Uh, you know, he missed time in the middle of the summer with that injury, and then he he uh, came back, and he was back to sort of being the guy he was at UCLA at AA and AAA, where he, he wasn't really trying to drive the ball, but he was controlling the zone and, and putting his speed to work. Um, so I think at this point, people that have Mitchell and Dynasty would just take that version of him rather than the, the fully actualized version, just given his struggles last year and early this season. Um, and yeah, he's in the majors, so definitely can't argue with somebody giving you something now. All right, so I will be making my final two picks here. Okay, I'm gonna take uh Anthony Volpe first. Uh, yeah, I mean, I him versus. Oswald Peraza for 2023, I think, is interesting. Uh, Peraza, I believe, was he already on the 40-man when he got called up this year? Um, yeah, he was because he's only got two options left. So I, I think that that's probably why he got the the look over. I mean, I just – I don't think – I think, that, you know, Volpe's the sort of prize of that system and they didn't want to really mess with anything with him. Uh, but I could see him. I could see Volpe being a better player than Peraza, maybe in spring training next year. And uh, the IKF thing is basically just a we don't want to block our shortstop prospects, and he'll move into a util role when they're ready. So I'm not really sure who who plays more next year out of Peraza and Volpe, but I think Volpe's got the higher ceiling and. Um, I think his minor league steals oversell greatly uh, how much he's going to run in the majors, but I still think you could get 15 steals from him next year, uh, depending on when he's up. 
Um, so Volpe in the fifth round for me. And then uh, I'll take uh, I'll take never nervous Matt Mervis here in the sixth round. Uh, I, I think I first. Like I think first base is. Well, I don't think I know first base is wide <laughs> open for the Cubs uh, next year. <laughs> um, he's got monster power from the left side. He I, he's gotten. You know, hasn't hasn't skipped a beat after getting promoted to AAA. So uh, this is kind of a, a plate appearance play here. I, I just think like he can make the team as the starting first baseman next year, just kind of given their current depth chart. So uh, that'll be my sixth round pick, Matt Mervis with the Cubs. Love that pick. Super sneaky. Could be like a day one benefit to your team. That's a great draft and hold pick. Thank you. All right, Drew Sperling, you are up for your final selection. In that vein, I'm going to take another first baseman that uh, appears to have the inside track and some playing time next year. Uh, I'm going to go with Michael Toglia. And uh, there's a wide, I mean, there could be a wide variance of outcomes. He could he could struggle. I mean, the hit tool makes... Uh, could be a very up-and-down type of player, but given that he plays in Colorado and at this point in time in the draft with the power upside and already receiving playing time, um, yeah, I, I just feel like there, there's another uh, – it's another chance to add a floor of, play, of plate appearances to your team with some power. Yeah, I like it says it. a lot. The Rockies clearly like him, right? Yeah. Triple A's agreed with him. And I think, you know, he's he hasn't looked supremely overmatched thus far at the major league level. I like it. Probably going to qualify at outfield and first base at, at some point next season, too. Uh, it's going to be a close call which one he's eligible at entering the year next year. Uh, they Crone is under contract for one more year, but I think he – by, by the summer, he'll at least qualify both outfield and, and first base, assuming he stays up. All right, Drew, uh, one more from you. Those of you with the fortune of not seeing my face are having the misfortune of not seeing the perplexed look because I'm going to go silly with this one, as is my nature and as I've been alluding to. I'm just trying to decide how silly I want to go. Uh you know what? We'll. Uh, I, I don't mean to throw us off the rails here, James. But again, uh, so I'm going to go with a player, another player from the Rocket City Trash Pandas, and we're going to go with a 2022 draft pick. It will be either Zach Nato or Sonny Deshara, who I'm a huge fan of both of these guys. We're going to go Deshara because he doesn't get talked about enough in terms of professional baseball and fantasy baseball. He's going to be a contributor. I. Uh, I think that we as an industry were kind of a year late on Nico Cavadas. I think that we. You know, a, a big a big fella that just is goofy and hits baseballs. We just don't ever give him enough credit. Uh, speaking on behalf of the big fella that's goofy, Sonny Deshar is a professional hitter. Uh, I think that it's kind of criminal he, he went as late as he did in the draft. The Angels have been aggressive with he and Zach Nato, for that matter. Uh, they're both played in double A. Uh, only, what, three months after being drafted to the major leagues? I think it's uh, aggressive but warranted because these were both uh, – really talented college performers who played, you know, uh, Deshara more so than Nato, who played against tough competition and through the season impressed. So are we going to see Deshara for a long period of time next year? It's unlikely, but I do think that he will be continually pushed aggressively. And if he continues to hit and takes bases as he has, I mean, what are they going to say? No. <laughs> We don't need any help at the major league level. I mean, we've established that that's clearly not the case. So, uh, in in light of that, Sonny Deshara, come on down. Well, that one, I think that one qualifies as definitely off the board. Uh, but I, I like the uh, I like the conviction with which you made the pick. That's if nothing else, I'll bring conviction all day, baby. All day. <laughs> uh, multiple mu multiple trash pandas on the score. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I, when you're a trash panda at heart, then you you relate to them. So it's in the heart. It's in the heart. So right. is this the fi- final pick of the draft here? This is the final pick. There's she probably some sa- there's probably some safer players I could pick here, uh, but I'm going to take Ellie De La Cruz oh. with the last pick. Oh yeah, knew Just, that was where you're going as soon as you said there's some safer oh. players. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the Reds, like we were talking about with Steer, they don't have much talent on their team. De La Cruz is already excelling in Double A this year. Uh, he has the high strikeout rate, but he's making it work. And uh, I think the Reds are really excited about him, so we could see him next year. And I think that power speed is going to be a factor even down the stretch next year if he's on the team. Yeah, I can guarantee he will be uh, going ahead of a lot of the guys we've already taken in terms of just ADP because he's already sort of a household name. He's uh, somebody that just you, all you have to do is watch 10 seconds worth of video and you, you get it. And uh, like you said, it's, it's a clear path, just a matter of when they want to start the clock on him. So, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's at that stage where he's at double a and, um, you know, I think the strikeouts are—they're uh, kind of about where a guy he gets compared to a lot, Fernando Tatis Jr., was at at Double A at uh, about the same age. So, I wouldn't—you know—I wouldn't put anything past the Reds in terms of when they bring him up. I don't think they want to bring him up so that he's—you know—really falling flat on his face against Big League pitching necessarily, but. Um, yeah, you know, he also gets compared to O'Neill Cruz and maybe it's, it's one of those things where it takes him uh, a month or so to kind of get acclimated and then he really takes off. So I think just the upside alone will make him a, a hot sort of mid round target in draft and holds. Great pick. I'm, I'm with James entirely. I think that his, his kind of prospect stock is going to do a lot in terms of where he's picked draft and hold, but you know, what if he plays and what if he just is, what if he's O'Neill Cruz? I mean, at that point you're getting surplus value for a player this late, you know, as theoretically in a 50 round draft and hold where we're at in this point, whatever, you know, you're getting surplus value. And I think that that's the name of the game for draft and holds, especially. Yeah. It's all about when he plays. So with, with the last pick in a draft, I mean, I, you can't, uh, I can't see if you already have uh, some safety on your team, this is, absolutely the type of pick that you would make. So uh, let's recap things here. Uh, Michael Richards started off uh, Corbin Carroll with the first pick. Then he got Royce Lewis, Mr. Ruiz at the the two, three turn, got Oswald Peraza and Jordan Walker at the four five turn, and then finished things off with Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, I'm counting a lot of speed on your team, <laughs> Michael. Uh, I think every single one, every single player you you've taken uh, has stolen at least fifteen bases this year, uh, and they all have the upside to steal. I mean, Jordan Walker's not going to be a major speed threat, I don't think, long term. But uh, that's a ton of speed, ton of upside. Um, any any final thoughts on on the six guys you selected? Yeah, I mean, it's not the exact guys I was expecting to get. Uh, I actually thought we were including pitchers in this before we started, but uh, I got I got uh, I got guys that I like. Like you said, lots of speed, and I think that's being pushed by my experience in leagues this year, and just seeing how much people value speed once drafts start happening. You know, they build their teams around getting those guys early. So I'm just trying to get the guys who could be up there at the top or be value picks for their speed later in drafts too. So that's kind of where I stuck with this uh, strategy in this draft. And since you're in first place in TGFBI, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, it, were, were there any uh, prospects or hitting prospects that, that factored in there or, or did you do it with kind of old older guys? Well, last year I was really big into prospects and it, it cost me a lot with people playing for volume and stuff. So I switched to a more major league uh, veteran yeah, played appearances and all that sort of stuff. But I've still found a way to incorporate prospects into my game through fab where I don't have a big, uh, they don't have to play a big role on my team, but if they do, it's really big. 
So I was able to add guys like Strider, uh, Kirby, Von Grisham, and they're big parts of my team right now. But I, I didn't yeah, draft any I, of them. I'd say. It's <laughs> pretty good ads. Um, yeah. Well done. Uh, all right, Drew Wheeler uh, started things off with Gunnar Henderson, number two overall. Then got Ezekiel Tovar in the second, Logan O'Hoppy in the third, Michael Bush in the fourth. Henry Davis in the fifth, and Sonny DiChiara in the sixth. Any final thoughts, Drew? It's a weird group, but really, would it be me if it wasn't? Uh, I, I do think that it's obviously uh, the kind of, if I had to pick a tied-together thing, it's a hit tool. I want somebody that can hit the ball because if I'm going to waste a pick in a draft and hold, uh, a waste a pick, let's first, that's with quotation marks, I think that, you know, I try to pick guys that are going to contribute in the middle rounds, in the, even the first couple rounds, just give me volume. You know, Michael said a lot, guys play volume. So chasing eternal upside and the, what could happen is not always the best route to take. So, you know, me taking a Sonny Deshara or even a Zach Nato, like I've discussed taking or a Henry Davis, these are guys who, you know, if they play could still give you more than uh, a potential backup or a, a fill in at the major league level, a, a role player type, so it's just all about finding that balance, I think, in my opinion, of who could play and would produce. So, Very good. And then Drew Sperling with the third pick, Josh Young. Uh, and then the second round, Tristan Casas. Third round, Brett Beatty. Fourth round, Alexander Canario. Fifth round, Garrett Mitchell. And sixth round, Michael Taglia. Any final thoughts, Drew? Um, yeah, it- if, the, if I was incorporating it into uh, a draft, I would obviously want to build a, a lot more um, speed around those players, but I was just taking it in and of itself. Uh, I got the market cornered on uh, corner infielders, but uh, uh, like was said before me, you know, the, the hit tool is obviously very important. If, if that's a question, then they need to provide a lot of speed or power to, to justify the risk because – Ultimately, you know, plate appearances are how you produce stats. So, um, yeah, I think my general strategy with this draft, though, was to try and, uh, for the most part, drop uh, players that I thought were going to play. And um, in, uh, in in TGFBI, um, the majority of my team was very vet- veteran-oriented, but uh, if you find players in the first or second year that you believe in the growth uh, like one one player that I really wanted to target was Andrew Vaughn because uh, he really felt like a player for growth you know given what he had shown with his hit tool but um, going back to plate appearances the very first fab period I added Jeremy Pena after it was clear that uh, Correa wasn't going to resign with Houston and uh, that that really helped buoy my my offense because I I had a deficit on offense and he was definitely a strong contributor for the majority of the season. Nice, yeah. I think the those TGFBI drafts probably wrapped up uh, before uh, the the Jeremy Pena hype really kind of took off. So yeah, that's it's good good first uh, fab pickup there. Um, and then uh, my my six players I took uh, Vaughn Grissom. And Miguel Vargas at the one-two turn, uh, Bo Naylor and Spencer Steer at the three-four turn, and Anthony Volpe and Matt Mervis at the five-six turn. Uh, like like a lot of these guys, I was targeting plate appearances. You know, I had to believe in the skills, but I wasn't just chasing upside here. Um, and yeah, I think it turned out all right. Um, Okay, so before we uh, before we go, uh, why don't you guys plug whatever you got to plug? Uh, we'll start with you, Michael. Uh, what have you been working on, and where can uh, people find your work? Well, honestly, what I've been working on recently is TGFBI. I'm trying to close <laughs> out this league because uh, I don't know when I'm going to be in this position again. So I got four weeks to do it. There's a lot of great managers chasing me, but uh, after the season gets going, I'll be back to writing more. You can find my work at Fantrax, and you can catch me on the Call-Up podcast with David Mendelson, and we do that every week uh, uh, connected with Triple Play Fantasy. And I, uh, I appreciate you having me on. I had a lot of fun. 
and it was nice to uh, finally see the Drews and talk with them because I know they're both great players as well, and I've followed them on Twitter for a long time. Awesome. All right, uh, Drew Wheeler, uh, where can people – I know you're you're busy. Uh, where can people find your work and, and follow you? If you are interested in following me for whatever reason, you may do so on Twitter at Drew is okay, where I will share all kinds of various this and that. Uh, my work could be found uh, in both podcast and the written form for Prospects Live. Uh, we have a wonderful, just a crackerjack Patreon. Uh, you know, James, I know you got an opportunity, or I'll call it the the uh, the benefit, the blessing of speaking to Dylan White recently. He is just an absolute gem. Makes me seem smart, which is a job in and of itself. And so uh, just just a great guy. Uh, we have all kinds of really skilled writers there, really skilled podcasters, and great things to offer. I'm also still working for SP Streamer, where I'll, uh, I'm planning to release one more article there to kind of see them off into the sunset. Uh, been working on DSL rankings, so if you're interested in players for the Dominican Summer League that will not benefit you in 2023, uh, hit us up on Patreon because I'm going to release those rankings later this week. And it, as uh, Michael said, a true, true treat to speak with the three of you. Very, very bright minds, and I love to be tested and pushed, and you've done that uh, very well. Thank you all. Hey, thanks for coming on. And uh, how about how about you, Drew? Uh, where uh, where can people follow you, and uh, do you have anything going on? Um, yeah, you can find me at uh, Drew Sperling One on Twitter. And uh, recently, I was blessed to uh, join uh, the Dynasty Guru um, with a lot of other skilled and just a lot of other people that I've uh, learned a lot from in the last couple of uh, years playing playing fantasy baseball. But um, right now, I'm working on a dynasty rankings related uh buy sell article of sorts um maybe players to target that are ranked a little maybe have room for for growth like uh like we mentioned uh andrew vaughn earlier but uh one player that i i like that's ranked a little lower right now is uh josh naylor um but yeah i'm working on a buy sell article for them and uh just enjoying finishing out the season and trying to do the best that i can and thank you for having me and it uh like michael and drew mentioned it's just a pleasure to talk with all three of you so thank you awesome well michael richards drew wheeler drew sperling thanks so much for joining me this was a lot of fun uh i will be uh publishing this this draft and uh writing an accompanying article it'll be up uh, shortly after the podcast uh, if anyone wants to uh, dive into it a little bit deeper. Um, but but thanks again, guys. And uh, this has been the Rotor Prospect Podcast. I'll be back next week, and I've got a couple special guests coming on for a pitcher version of the same draft exercise. Very nice.